It's your job as the leader to provide your people with the resources they need to excel. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my class, Meditation for Busy People, where you'll learn how to relieve stress and discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, Podbean. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram or TikTok and check out our shop for merch, music, and musings. The links are all in the show notes. Hey there, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for listening. I'm thanking you especially today because I am celebrating. I'm celebrating 100,000 downloads of the podcast. I am so thrilled and so excited that you've been listening and that you that you keep coming back to the show to listen to what's going on, to the things that I'm talking about and thinking about when it comes to creativity, leadership, communication, and the arts. I'm super, I'm just, I'm really... <laughs> You can tell I'm excited. So today I want to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is what it means to lead a creative group. So I I think you know probably that I lead and manage one of the premier holiday caroling groups, I will say in the nation, maybe even the world. We're an amazing group. I'm so honored to, to lead this group and to be a part of it. We're called the Philosopher's Tones, and you can find us at philosopherstones.com if you'd like to go check out the sounds. And the way I do it is we sing four-part acapella carols and other holiday songs throughout the holiday season. And we've done the National Harbor Tree Lighting down in D.C., and we've done high end, the highest-end hotels and corporate events, and we continue to do them every year. And we're busier and busier every year. And so this year I decided to hold auditions to take on new singers. And here's the thing about doing all of that. There's a lot that goes into it, right? And here's here's what I do. My job as the leader and manager is to take care of all of the agent interactions and the client interactions, all of the marketing. I update the website. I make sure, and that's just the that part, and there's a lot more to do on that part and all the sales and all of that. I also get all of the details and the admin work to my singers and I also am responsible for making sure that everyone has the music they need, that everyone is well-trained as far as being able to rehearse and ready to perform and knows all the stuff and has all of the resources that they need, plus all of the admin, like where are they going? What time do they have to be there? I approve all costuming because, yes, we dress up like – I'm going to put the – uh, the headshot of our group in the show notes for this so that you can see it. We dress up like Dickensian or Victorian uh, people in order to perform at these gigs. And one of the things that sets us apart from all of the other holiday caroling groups is that most of them just, they sing and there's nothing wrong with that. You're being hired to do caroling. You go and you carol and that's fabulous. I'm a theater nerd, so I always want to do a little bit of spectacle, a little bit of theater as far as what we're doing. And so in addition to going out there and performing, and we can make four people sound like a full freaking choir. We're really good at that. I have amazing people working with me, amazing singers. 
Shout out to all of you folks. The fill tones are the best. Anyway, so in addition to doing that, the other thing that we do is we're characters. We actually, we interact with the audience. We engage them. We ask for requests. We have a lot of fun together. We make people laugh. And that's one of the reasons we get a lot of repeat business. So as the leader, that's all stuff I'm trying to do. In addition to all of the actual singing and admin and marketing, I work with my people on how to be characters up there, how to actually give a real performance as far as a theatrical spectacle instead of uh, just the music. Now, don't get me wrong. Just the music is fabulous. There, There's a lot of incredible music that's been written to be sung around the holiday season. And we don't just do Christmas carols. We do some uh, Jewish music at that time of year, some nature-oriented spirituality music at that time of year. We do a lot of different kind of music uh, to sort of appeal to the various and different kinds of audiences we're going to have. Plus, we sing in various languages. We sing in Latin. We sing in Spanish. We sing in French. We sing in German, uh, in addition to, of course, singing in English. So so there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, outreach uh, in that way to engage audiences in lots of different ways. And when we are in front of a primarily Spanish-speaking audience and we sing uh, Pastores a Belén, for example, uh, in Spanish, wow, they're so excited. So we we want to, and this is me as a leader encouraging everyone to in the group, to know these things, to be able to do them, and to be able to perform them in such a way that they are, uh, again, engaging and interacting with the audience instead of just performing for the audience, not knocking anyone who performs for the audience. That's great. And I'm, I'm going for something a little more. And one of the things that that means that I have to do is work with my singers to make sure that they have all of the pronunciation right, that they, even if they don't speak Spanish, for example, that they need to learn how to sing the lyrics in such a way that the people listening, if they're Spanish speakers, are going to be able to understand. And interestingly, a lot of the singers in the group know your German, know your French, know your Italian, but they don't know your Spanish. So <laughs> so we're doing a lot of work on making sure that everyone has those chops because I don't want to go out there and sing Pastores a Belen. I want to sing Pastores a Belen, right? So I want everything to be as... Uh, well-developed and proficient as possible. As the leader and manager of the group, how do I do that? Well, first of all, I need to know all the music backwards and forwards. I choose the music. I purchase, a lot of it is in public domain now, but I purchase the sheet music that we need, that we're going to be using, and I arrange some of it. And some of the other singers do too. Some of the other singers arrange music, but they they then disseminate it to everybody. So everybody has all of the resources that they need. And then we go over it and we teach it. And it used to be in the tones that we had more people who didn't really read music, who needed to be sort of needed to have things plucked out on the piano. And I play piano well enough to be able to pluck things out, but not in bass clef because I'm primarily a violinist and a soprano, so I don't read bass clef very well. Darn that I didn't learn how to play the piano early in my life. But luckily, we have a professional pianist in the group, and she's able to play the 
all the music with all four parts simultaneously if we need it. But she, Valerie, shout out to you, is able to do that. So, so that's one of the other things is that you need to, as the leader, provide the resources, but also provide the opportunity for people to excel, for people to shine. And that means making sure that they know the music, making sure that they're able to sing the music with beautiful blend and polish in a way that's, again, engaging and inspiring and uh, beautifully entertaining to whoever's listening. So that's part of it. The other part of it is, luckily, again, shout out to Valerie Higgs, uh, who, if you listen to the Two Women of a Certain Age podcast that she and I did for a while, she was the other woman of a certain age on the show. Anyway, Valerie also is the musical director of a church choir, and so therefore has... Uh, access to the church that we rehearse in and that we held the auditions in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Valerie. One of the things I recently found out, by the way, is here in New York City, there are places that you can get where you can get free rehearsal space, which blows me away, and I'm ridiculously excited to know that because right now I'm writing, uh, well, I finished writing a play called Overheard. I'm in the middle of editing it, and uh, and I'm going to, be putting it up on its feet, applying for grants, all of that. And in order to rehearse, rehearsal space can be very expensive and being able to find a place that is free to use that I can actually sign up for and and have, you know, four weeks of rehearsal blows me (laughs) away. It's amazing to have that uh, even a possibility in, in, in a city as tightly packed and as incredibly Uh, busy as New York City is. So anyway, the Philosopher's Stones, interestingly, are mostly still in D.C. from when I lived and worked there. And this year I'm going to actually form the New York Tones. And I'm thinking of calling it the New York Tones or the New York City Tones because I'm going to form the group here and get ready to rock and to roll and to do some gigs here in New York City this year. And I'm going to be looking for singers. So if you're a professional singer and you're listening to this and you work in and about New York City, And you're not union. I don't pay union rates yet. But uh, if you are interested, contact me and we'll get you an audition and see. And that's another thing. Let me get back to that part of it. I had to hold auditions because the DC Tones are expanding and uh, I needed to get more singers. And so I had to put together the sort of request for people who want to audition. It's almost like an ad, but it's not. And all of the things that you need to know in order to be able to audition for a professional group, and there are a lot of them. And then I had a questionnaire that people had to fill out that told me, you know, that told me the information I needed to know about whether or not they were pros. What is your range? Are you comfortable singing in other languages? Do you have your own transportation? Do you, what is your educational level when it comes to being a professional singer? What are shows you've been in? Things like that are all questions you need to have answered as the leader before you take someone on. And one of the other most important things is, and this is something I asked the group to think about when we were holding the auditions, and this was, do they vibe with the rest of the group, right? If someone comes in and they just, they, they even if they're an amazing singer, if they're just not a good fit for the group, uh, then it's not going to work long term because this these are they seem like super easy and super fun but they're high pressure situations you're four people sometimes singing in a crowded mall with people walking by you and things get frustrating and and uh, you get there and the person who's the contact person isn't there and so then you have to have a process and this is another thing as a leader you have to have a process for what to do when emergencies happen 
And I tried to have all of that information for them. Here's the contact person. Here's the phone number. Here's the security office. Where are you going to be? All of that stuff is stuff I, as the leader, have to do for them in order for them to, again, be able to excel at what they're going to do, which is show up, sing, give a phenomenal performance, leave, and then get paid. Yay. So... These are all things that I have to know about the person as they're auditioning. So I don't audition them myself. It's kind of a democracy in the tones. We were all there and we all auditioned everybody. And then once they auditioned, we, uh, after everybody had left, we discussed it. And I took everybody's opinion into account. And luckily, everybody else's opinion matched my own. So I was able to go, excellent. Now we've got this core group of four new singers we're accepting and I'm very excited to have them. So now in some ways the work really begins because now I had to get them all the access to all the music they're going to need. We're going to be rehearsing for a solid week in November. In the meantime, they as professional musicians know that they need to learn all of these parts. So they need to learn the parts, but then before they learn everything, once they have their sets set up, I need to go over with them All of the quirky things this particular group does in order to get everything set up for themselves, right? For example, some of the words in some of the carols are things like sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying. That's... uh, that's not for me, <laughs> right? So uh, when I sing any kind of holiday music, I want to look at the bright side of things. I don't want to look at, at bleeding and dying and sorrowing and sighing. I, I just don't. I don't want to put that out in the world. So, for example, we cut that entire verse out of, uh, I think it's We Three Kings. I don't even remember, honestly, because I think it's We Three Kings. And, uh, and, I, and I went, no, I can't. I can't have a verse like that in the middle of what is otherwise a really uh, wonderful song. So we cut it, right? We cut words and I'm the one who does that. And there are lyrics in some of these that have which and that used incorrectly. So we changed that too. We changed verses to other songs. Why? Because again, we want to celebrate the the season rather than uh, admonishing anybody about anything. So in order for the singers to know what they have to do, I have to have a very clear set of instructions for them so that they can create their sets in a way that will be incredibly useful and immediately useful. Because here's the thing, I lead and manage the group, but I'm in New York City and they work out primarily of the DC area, doing some traveling, but primarily out of DC. So that means I'm never there to perform. Uh, I perform six gigs a year for one organization, one place, and that's Nemecolon, which is a, a resort out in the mountains of Western Pennsylvania. I perform for that. Otherwise, I don't perform in D.C., and that's one of the reasons I'm setting up the New York branch, the New York City Tones, or however I end up calling it, uh, because I'm going to perform in New York. And I won't be available for weekends, so I'm (laughs) going to find a soprano who can take that on here in New York City. So you see what I'm saying, though? There are so many different aspects of doing this, uh, this leading and managing work you are responsible to and for the singers. And this is something I told them all at the auditions and everybody was here to hear it. If something gets messed up, if something goes horribly wrong, ultimately, it's my fault. As the leader, I don't blame my people for what has gone wrong. I take the blame. 
And they get the credit if things go super well, but I get the blame if things go super wrong. So that's one of the reasons as their leader and manager that it is my job to support them in doing everything beautifully. And I have to provide for them the training and teaching the resources, and also the team building, right? That's one of the things. I don't want it to ever be four people singing disparately. I want them to be a cohesive, entertaining, harmonizing, gorgeous unit. That's what I want. So I actually do team building things with them. Sotto voce, right? I don't do it like today, we're going to team build. We work on things in concert as a team. I love how in concert also means musical, but but yeah, in concert. My job is to make sure that they are a team and it doesn't matter which set of four people is going out because it, it's not always the same. For example, we are doing on December 2nd, we have four separate gigs now. All four, uh, all the different possible permutations of the Philosopher's Stones are going to be at four different events, and which is great. I'm very happy to see it, but that means that there's this quartet, this trio, this quartet, this trio. They're all over. And on December 9th, we already have gigs also. Different people are going to be working different things because some of the singers are already professional soloists with church choirs and have events at their churches, for example. So there's a lot of different stuff that I need to take into consideration. Are there combinations of people that I would not put together? In thinking about it, probably not. I'm pretty good at sussing out people who are not going to be a good fit. Uh, And I've been very lucky so far in that I've sussed correctly. Uh, And so I will always put a soprano, alto, tenor, and bass together, for example. So we won't have often have two sopranos, although a lot of our singers are switch hitters. They can sing soprano or alto. But my point is that I won't often have, uh, you know, a call for two tenors to sing together. So I don't need to worry about that so much. What I need to worry about is, do these four people sound good together? Do they blend well together? Do they get along together? Is there chemistry when they're on stage? And that's what I'm thinking about. But luckily, I've chosen a team that everybody can work with everybody, really. There are some people who are more introverted, and I probably wouldn't put those introverted people in one quartet together because then it comes up against, you know, Two people are extroverted and two people are introverted and they sort of, the extroverts have to sort of shine more because the introverts are a little bit more like I want to sing, but I don't want to engage the audience. So I try to keep it so that there are three extroverts and one introvert at the most. And there are some introverts in the group, but at the most, I want only one introvert per gig. And you have to think about this stuff. You have to think about personalities. You have to think about the psychology. You have to think about the, the the way people relate to each other and to the audience. All of that stuff has to be stuff I think about as a leader to minimize anything going wrong and to maximize the entertainment quality of what these incredible singers are going to do. It's not something that they and I talk about very often because it's my job to do that. It's not their job to think about it. It's my job to think about it. So I do that in order to be able to, again, have this professional group entertain people all over the country, but really mostly on the East Coast, but still travel and entertain all through the holiday season in a way that works substantively for them and for me and for the agents and for the clients with minimal fuss. <laughs> That's another thing. As the leader, I don't want things to be all wonky. I I want them as streamlined and useful as possible so that it can go on without me being there. 
I don't have to be there for these gigs. Other than Nemecolon, where they request specifically that I am there, I don't need to be there. My singers are great. They know their stuff. They're going to sound amazing. The new people are going to learn their stuff. And and another thing, there's going to be uh, no gigs where there isn't at least one veteran performer of the group at the gig, right? Because I'm not there. I, I designate a leader for each gig and the leader is going to be a veteran performer. Now, next year, these new singers are going to be phenomenal. I'm not worried about them. They're going to be amazing. They're already incredible singers. I think they're going to be terrific additions to the tones, but I'm not going to throw anyone, you know, into the deep end and go, well, there you go. I'm going to make sure that there is a veteran member of the group at every gig so that they can be the leader. And that's another thing. Take care of your leaders. If you are designating, if you're a leader of a group, but you can't be there and you have to designate someone else, make sure that they know that you appreciate them and also appreciate them financially a little bit. And, and honestly, I can't appreciate them financially very much. I wish I could do more. But anybody who's leading gets a bonus stipend from me. It's out of my pocket for leading. Right. So because they have extra work to do, they have to be there on time. They have to interact with the uh, the client or the client's representative and they have to choose the songs and they have to figure out what parts of the sets we're going to be in. And they give the starting pitches. They have to do a, a fair chunk as part of what they're trying to do. So I am very interested in making sure that my leaders feel appreciated and it rolls downhill they're going to make the singers feel appreciated now one of the things that will happen is and i've talked about this on previous episodes sometimes things go wrong and i'm always available unless i'm not unless i'm singing myself i leave myself as the leader available to the singers to call me within a couple of hours so if something goes horribly wrong You've got two hours to call me before, but right when the gig starts, if I'm gigging myself, I'm not going to take a phone call. Usually my phone is off and they all know that, right? They know that they have to let me know any emergencies as early as possible. Now, if it's an emergency when it starts, there's sometimes nothing you can do. Stuff happens, but I want to be sure that my singers have everything they need. And I actually was talking to my business coach and she said to me, well, I certainly hope that you're going to push these gigs a lot this year. And one of the things that I was able to say was, I don't have to push. I market some, but honestly, uh, I don't have to push a lot because we get so much repeat business. Why? Because my people are amazing. They know what they're doing. They're entertaining. They're engaging. They sound gorgeous. They're beautifully dressed in these fun Victorian costumes. And they come in, they're pros, they do the show, and and everyone enjoys them, and then they leave. And that is what I want. I do not want anybody to feel like they're suffering. I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, this. I want people to be out there enjoying themselves, engaging the audience, giving a great performance, and then they get paid, and they get paid well. And that's one of the other things. When you can pay your people well, pay your people well. That's so important. Like, one of the things that I was talking to, I was doing a, an event and I was talking to a bunch of the people at the event and they 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 said, oh, these, th this company spoils us. They're always doing these really fun events for us and making us feel wonderful. And I said, you know, that's that's great that they they splurge on you and and 
the question I have is, do they splurge to you? In other words, putting on huge grand events for your people to, to celebrate them is great. And also, and I know people say, oh, people don't always want money as the thing. In today's economy, a lot of people want and need money, especially performers, especially creatives. So if you're leading a group of performers or you're leading a group of creatives, share the wealth. And that's my that's the way I look at it. Nobody in my group is unhappy <laughs> with what they're making. In fact, I've been told that I pay more than other caroling groups, which is awesome. That makes me very happy because I want everyone to feel like they are uh, like they are honored. You know, like I am honoring them. I do honor them. I think they're amazing. And I want everyone to feel that I respect them as performers, as musicians, as professionals. And one of the ways to show that support is to, as often as I can, uh, pay them as well as possible. Sometimes, and the only time I will ever ask anyone to perform for free is for something like a batter women's and children's shelter, which we have done, uh, because, you know, they, the, if you're in a shelter around the holidays, my goodness, you probably need some entertainment and some cheering up. And one of the great things about this group is that they're willing to do that. So we've done that. We've performed for free for those kinds and only those kinds of causes. Uh, I've had other people go, oh, but we're such a good. No, uh-uh. unless you are helping defenseless children and women or defenseless animals. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, uh, I know that this is, this is where I draw the line. This is how I, as the leader sort of go, no. And I don't ask them to do it often because they're professionals. They have lives, they have work they need to do. But for these kinds of really great causes, I absolutely will. So if you're leading a creative group of any kind, uh, I, I, I could talk about this forever and ever, but if you're leading a group of any kind, you have to remember a couple of things. It's your job as the leader to provide your people with the resources they need to excel. It's your job as the leader to know communication skills well enough to be able to work with your people so that you are building and continue to build an authentic relationship. Know the psychology of groups well enough so that in the group you can see when there are conflicts and how to resolve them and also how to keep building that team. You need to know how to do that. And I run workshops with companies and organizations on how to build teams, especially how to build teams of creatives and how to build teams of scientists and engineers because often they're introverts and they don't think about how they could work better together. So these are all things that you can look at as a leader and then also keep things interesting for your people. Keep things exciting. Keep them learning and growing and trying new things. I introduce new pieces to sing every year. And sometimes they're complicated. Sometimes they're just fun. But every year we're learning new pieces and we're adding to our repertoire. We don't, we don't rest on our laurels ever. Every year either new people come in and or new, new new music comes in. So the veterans get to learn new music and get to learn how to build a team in these little subsets with the new people. The new people get to learn all sorts of new stuff. And I get to keep marketing this incredible, amazing singing group to corporate events, high-end hotels, all sorts of organizations that want holiday entertainment but may not know where to look. So... And hey, if you're listening and you want holiday entertainment for your event, you can contact me. Uh, the link is in the show notes. But the point is that it's my job as the leader to bring all of this to the group so that they can thrive. 
if I don't do that, I'm not an effective leader. Because honestly, a leader is only as good as the team they're leading. Full stop. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I am thrilled <laughs> with this episode. I actually really wanted to talk about this because I think it's so important uh, to push our limits as leaders and to learn more about how to lead effectively, particularly if you're leading creatives or tech people. They, they need you to do right for them so that they can shine. All righty. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This is Isolde Trachtenberg reminding you, as always, to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in. (music) 